guys. Welcome to the Love and Cookies podcast. My name is Nick, and I'm sharing my story and encouraging you to live yours. I hope you enjoy this episode. What's up, everybody? Welcome back to the Love and Cookies podcast. A while ago, when I used to live with roommates, one of the things that we would watch a lot was cooking shows, uh, especially Iron Chef America, watching the people battle it out, trying to make their best dishes and present them to the chefs. And there was this one episode that we were watching where one of the guys decided to make a souffle. And watching this inspired my roommate to want to make a souffle. And so after we got done watching the show, he went in the kitchen and he gathered up all the ingredients and he looked up a recipe online and noticed he didn't have everything that recipe called for, but thought that he had some valid substitutions that would do the trick. And so instead of heavy cream, we didn't have any heavy cream, he used skim milk. And instead of cocoa powder, he used white chocolate chips. And instead of unsalted butter and a dash of salt, he used salted butter. You know, it kind of makes sense that if you need salt and unsalted butter, salted butter should do the trick. So he followed that recipe and mixed up the ingredients using his substitutions and poured the batter into some dishes, put them in the oven, and set a timer. And after they had been in the oven for about 20 minutes, which is what the recipe called for, he pulled them out. And we examined the finished product. And if you know anything about a souffle, it, you put it in the dish. But as it bakes, it's supposed to rise out of that dish. Uh, and his souffles had not uh, risen at all. They didn't look anything like a picture of a souffle. And so we kind of poked a spoon in one, and it had a custardy consistency. And we tasted them, and they didn't taste all that bad. But they were not the souffles that he set out to make. It wasn't anything like a souffle. Now, there are a lot of different reasons this could be. Souffles are not the easiest thing in the world to make. But I'm willing to guess that one of the big ones would be that he chose to use those substitute ingredients. I mean, using skim milk instead of heavy cream, uh, that, that's probably not, not the best choice right there. Every day in life, we're, we're presented with these, these choices to make, and some of those choices are easy. You know, should I brush my teeth? Some of the choices are obvious. Should I go to work today? Should I do my homework? Should I study for that test? And other choices can be a lot more difficult, like, hey, where should I go to college? Who should I marry? Where should I live? What job should I apply for? The Bible actually gives us a guide to making some of these choices in Deuteronomy 30, 19, it says, Today I've given you the choice between life and death, between blessings and curses. Now I call on heaven and earth to witness the choice you make. Oh, that you would choose life. We have all these choices to make in life, and the Bible tells us that there's some very clear results from those. Life and death, blessings and cursings. Now I think everybody that's listening to this podcast would say, Yeah, I'm, of course I want to choose life. Of course I want to choose life. Uh, blessings. Why would I ever choose death and curses? That just doesn't make any sense. But do we do the things to choose life? Do we do the things to choose blessings? Thankfully, the Bible also tells us how to make those choices. And if we keep going in Deuteronomy 30, it says, you can make this choice by loving your God, obeying him, and committing yourself firmly to him. This is the key to your life. 
Now, sometimes, just like my roommate thought he had some pretty valid substitutes for his souffles, I think sometimes we think we have some valid substitutes in life for the choices we make. Um, But God is very clear about what we need to do to choose life. And the first thing that he said is we have to love God. He says you can make this choice by loving the Lord your God. And, you know, it's pretty easy to say we love God. It's pretty easy for me to say I love God, but am I really doing the things to love God? You know, I remember a while ago, um, I was working at a restaurant, and I remember the day, it was June 6, 2006, and everyone was making a big deal of it. They're like, ooh, it's 666, which really wasn't true because it was 6606, but that's another story. But anyway, I was working at this restaurant, and during the lunch shift, one of my coworkers was noticeably upset. Like, you could just tell something was bothering her. So I asked her, and I said, hey, like, what's going on? Like, are, is everything okay? She said, well, I'm scheduled to work both lunch and dinner, and it's not looking like I'm going to have enough time in between my shifts to go to a church and pray. And I was like, okay, well, you know, like, what do you want to go to a church and pray about? And she's like, don't you know what today is? Like, I, I got to pray about today. And I was like, well, you know, like, God's everywhere. (laughs) I mean, he's literally everywhere. Like, we can stop and pray right here in this restaurant, and God will hear us. Like, we don't need to go to a restaurant, We don't, or we don't need to go to a church. We don't need to do any of that. Like, we can do it right here, right now. And she was like, no, today is just super important. I have to go pray at a church. And to give you a little bit more backstory about my coworker, she never attended church. She was not someone that went to church on Sunday morning or any day of the week. Um, but now all of a sudden on this day, she had to go to her church to pray. She had huge anger issues. She was regularly yelling at people at the restaurant, at, at customers, at her bosses. She was doing drugs and got drunk on a regular basis and even came to work that way. Uh, there was even a time where she got fired from a job because she was trying to sell drugs to a coworker while she was on the clock. So on that day, she was obsessed and trying to find a church and pray, but there wasn't really any other moments in her life that really showed that she loved God. I know this is an extreme example, but how many times do I get caught up in the things of this world? How many times do I get caught up? And how many times do we do that, whether it's a, a guy or a girl or get caught up in my job or when I was in school or whatever else it might be, the how NC State's doing in basketball, how many times do I get caught up in those things and let it take over me that I'm not actually loving God? When I let those things consume me, I, the Bible actually tells me I don't have the love of God in me. In Matthew 6, 24, it says, No one can serve two masters. You'll either hate one or love the other. You'll be devoted to one and despise the other. You cannot serve God and be enslaved to money. And so when we choose life, to choose life, we have to choose God. And in order to do that, we have to love God, like truly love God. In John fourteen fifteen, it says, If you love me, you'll obey my commandments. So, In order to choose life, we have to love God. In order to love God, we have to obey his commandments. And that's actually the second thing that Deuteronomy told us. It said you can make this choice by loving the Lord your God and obeying him. And this has two parts. We have to know what God says, but then we have to listen to him. 
John 10.27 tells us, My sheep listen to my voice. I know them and they follow me. Back when Angela was in college, she had a roommate. And they were having a conversation about marriage. And her roommate was dating a guy. But she wasn't sure that she could marry that guy. And so Angela was like, okay, well, you know, you're dating him. Like, why do you think you couldn't marry him? And she said, well, we, you know, we have a few differing, uh, different opinions on things. And one of them was over kids. And, you know, do we want kids? How many kids do we want? One of them was the fact that uh, she was Jewish and he was Christian. But the one reason she said that was kind of the biggest one that kind of made her question whether she could marry him was how they felt about divorce. And her boyfriend, he didn't believe in divorce. He wanted to marry someone, and that was going to be it. He wanted to do everything he could to be with that person for the rest of his life. She, on the other hand, felt that divorce had to be an option, that a marriage can't work if there's no way out was the way she said it. She said, marriage cannot work if there's no way out. God created divorce for a reason. Now, I don't know that her roommate, you know, really had the correct theology on this one to say that God created divorce for a reason. You know, there's plenty of Bible verses that we can look at that would actually support the opposite of that. Her viewpoint was off and You know, if one day she ends up getting a divorce, like, that's not going to be God's will for her life. And if she looked at what God had to say, she would see that. But how many times do I do the same thing? How many times uh, do I wonder about things or, or think about things or question things that God has so clearly told me about in his word? How many times have I tried to excuse away my anger or my unforgiveness? Or how many times have I tried to justify my sins? You know, I've had plenty of conversations with people where you talk about righteous anger. And is there such thing as this righteous anger? And we can just see it all over in our lives and other people's lives. We just constantly try to justify or excuse away these things. In Joshua 1, it tells us to to meditate on the book of instruction continually. Do it day and night. and Obey everything written in it, and it says only then will you prosper and succeed in all, of you, in all you do. Only when we meditate on the Word of God and obey what's in it, we'll prosper and succeed in all we do. So we have to know the Word of God. We have to study it, but then we have to listen to what it says. There was a time where I worked for a private school, and I was substitute teaching for a class, and it was a ninth grade class. All they had to do that day was to retake a quiz and read a four-page assignment. And I was told that this ninth grade class had this uh, sock wrestling game that they really loved to play. And so I told them, hey guys, if we can retake this quiz and read this assignment, we will have plenty of time and we can play the sock wrestling game. And numerous times, even when they're taking a quiz... They would get loud, and i have to get them quiet. And they quiet down for a minute, and then they start getting loud again, and I'd have to get them quiet again. And after about the third or fourth time of this happening, a couple of assignments that probably should have taken 15 to 20 minutes were now going on at least 30. I just kind of pulled up a chair, and we had a conversation. And I was asking, and I just kind of said, hey, guys, like, what's going on? Like, you guys are not listening. And... The ninth graders, they said, well, you know, we've just, we've had a a lot of 
mean teachers that just don't like us. And so I asked, I said, well, have you ever thought that maybe you guys are doing something to cause the teachers to not be as friendly and outgoing? And they were kind of like, huh? And I looked at them, I said, guys, like, I said, is, is the way you're acting with me in this classroom right now, is that normal? Is that how you guys treat your normal teachers? Or is it just because I'm a substitute that you think you can do this? And they're like, well, no, this is, this is kind of normal for us. We kind of just talk and don't really listen to the teacher. And, you know, they have to ask us multiple times to do things. And it takes way longer than it should. And I said, well, guys, if, if I was your teacher and that was how you normally are, I wouldn't be very motivated to be outgoing and lenient and do a lot of fun activities because I'd be spending all my time just trying to get you guys to listen. And so don't you guys think that, you know, like maybe if you were like loving towards your teachers that maybe, you know, you'd see some of that love back in return. And they're like, yeah, yeah, that, that does make sense. Like we know we should listen and you know, we, but you know, we don't like, no, you guys like, you know what you need to do. And I said, if you guys just do it, I guarantee you, you would see a change in the way your teachers treat you. And sometimes we treat God like that. <laughs> we sit there and we ignore what he tells us and then wonder why we're not being blessed. And the Bible tells us that if we want to choose life, if we want to choose blessings, we have to obey God. We have to know what he says and then we have to choose to follow it. We have to choose to listen. And if we're not doing those things, then we're not going to be getting those blessings. So we have to love God. We have to obey him. And the third thing that Deuteronomy tells us is that we have to commit firmly to him. The verse says, you can make this choice by loving the Lord your God, obeying him, and committing yourself firmly to him. The Bible doesn't tell us to make a loose commitment. It doesn't tell us to waver back and forth. It says make a firm decision to follow God. James actually talks about this. He says, don't waver, because when you waver, when your loyalty is divided, you're like a wave of the sea that's blown and tossed around. And if you're wavering, he says, such people should not expect to receive anything from the Lord. Their loyalty is divided, and they're unstable in everything they do. The Bible is very clear. It says, if we're not firmly committed to God, we're unstable, and we shouldn't expect to receive anything. One of my biggest struggles is eating sugar. If you just look back probably in the past five to ten years of my life, there's just been this constant up and down journey with uh, my weight and being in shape and things like that. And one of the biggest reasons for that is sugar. And I just have a hard time staying away from it. And the thing is, the times where I have been really good and, and got in shape and lost some weight and been closer to the goal that I have for myself are the times where I've just said, you know what, I'm going to cut sugar out of my life. Like a couple summers ago, I decided for five weeks leading up to a beach trip, I had to get my beach body. And so I was just going to not eat sugar for five weeks. And I did it and I lost weight and I got down to my goal. And then I went on the beach trip and started eating sugar again, came back home and you know, it's all downhill from there. And there's been times in my life where I'll be like, because I have a lot of access to sugar at work, being at a food pantry that gets food donated from Panera Bread and all these other places, CVS gives us their candy. Uh, I just kind of have constant access to sugar at work. And so there have been times where I will tell myself, okay, I'll allow myself one piece of candy a day or 
once this week I'll allow myself to get like a Danish or a donut or something like that. And it, <laughs> it never works. It never works. Like I always end up, you know, I get one piece of candy and then I'll get two and I'll get three. I'll be like, oh, well, these three little pieces equal about one candy bar. So, you know, that's still, you know, not like when I try to make that loose commitment, it doesn't work at all. The only times it's been successful is when I said, I am not eating any sugar at all and made that firm commitment. And I find the same thing is true in my relationship with God. And that's why the Bible tells us we have to firmly commit to God because a loose commitment is no commitment at all. Now, making a firm commitment, that doesn't mean that we're never going to get off track. But when God speaks to us, we listen and we correct it. The choices won't always be easy. They won't always be crystal clear. But when we're committed to God, we can make the right ones more often. Because if, if we're just loosely committed, it's, it's not a commitment at all. You know, in Genesis 22, God had told Abraham he was going to have the son, that he was going to become the father of many nations. And Abraham goes years before he gets this son. And he finally gets that son, Isaac. And God says, okay, cool. You got your son? Now go offer him as a burnt offering to God. And Abraham in that moment doesn't even try to bargain with God. The Bible says that he wakes up the next morning and sets out with Isaac to make the sacrifice. Now, I have a son, and if God ever said anything like that to me, I'm not sure the next morning I'd be waking up and sitting down and be like, well, you know what, God, I I think I'm going to need a a few confirmations on this one. There's going to need a couple people that need to come and you got to confirm this thing because you know, I wouldn't be waking up the next morning. Abraham gets all the way up the mountain, has the knife in his hand before God stops him. That's committed. <laughs> like Abraham was committed to God. Here is the son that meant everything to him. And he was so committed to God that he was willing to give that up. Like, Am I willing to sacrifice like that for God? Am I willing to sacrifice things in my life? Am I willing to lay things down completely just to follow him? That's what a firm commitment is, that no matter what, we're going to follow God. No matter what sacrifice it takes, we're going to follow him. Today I've given you the choice between life and death, between blessings and curses. And we can choose life. We can choose blessings by loving God, by obeying him, and by making a firm commitment. And then in Deuteronomy, it says, this is the key to your life. So loving God, obeying him, a firm commitment to him are the keys to our life. What do we use keys for? We use keys to open up things. If we love God, if we obey him, if we commit firmly to him, it will unlock everything that God has for us. Those choices aren't always going to be easy. They're not always going to be popular, but those are the keys. Right now, if I want to unlock those blessings in my life, those are the things I've got to do. If I want to choose life, those are the things I want to do. If I don't want to choose death, if I don't want curses, those are the things I've got to do. So let's just love God. Let's obey him. Let's commit firmly to him and let it unlock everything that he has for us. 
Thank you guys for listening to the Love and Cookies podcast. You know, there's not much better than a fresh baked cookie. So go ahead and subscribe so that you can get new episodes straight out of the oven. And don't be selfish. Share them with your friends. Again, thanks for listening. Until next time.